Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together we are FNA Van Life. This is the podcast where every week we bring you news from the nomadic community or interviews with other nomads so that you can know what it's really like to live life on the road. And this time we have a great podcast. We have the news podcast. So we're doing the news for September. We're super excited about this. We love this podcast, actually. And it's a great way to go over to our Patreon, see what's on our Patreon, and get the full podcast over there. Yeah. And so today we're actually taking you back to the basics. We found a bunch of articles that are about really like the beginnings of van life, getting into van life, what you need to know before your van lifing or like tips to make your van life better. Before we get on with the podcast, Alex, tell me some of the memories that you have from the beginning of van life for us. I know I have a ton. So what do you got? Yeah. So I think for me, it starts with just like building our first van, whose name was Lolo, 2003 Dodge Sprinter, full of rust. Actually, in our most recent YouTube video, we uh, grabbed some old clips of that van build. And oh, my goodness, that was so much work, that van. It took us six months to build. I mean, but the wood burn that the way it came out, it was super beautiful. And we absolutely loved living out of Lolo, even though she was an oldie and a rusty. Yeah, it was hard to sell her. I feel like we had so much time and energy and like emotion wrapped up in this like we quit our jobs to move into that van we like established ourselves as a couple moving into that van like our we got Paco when we moved into that van yeah yeah. it was a very like special place for us we also snowboarded 71 mountains in a single season in that van we lived winter van life as well as summer van life in that van so that van has been all over the place. And it was really like the building blocks of our van life story. Mm -hmm. I feel like we met so many people in that van too. Like just in terms of like the friends that we've made and maintained on the road. So many of them were made in our first year. We went to our first van life meetup in that van. And that was the last place that that van was with us. Yeah. So we put her on a flatbed and shipped her across the country to their new owner. And yeah. So I mean, That's really where van life starts for me, for sure. Yeah, for me too. And I absolutely, I miss that van, but also at the same time, it allowed us to grow to the position that we're in today and allowed us to grow and and know that we want to continue life on the road. So I just want to talk about responsibility real quick. We're going to get into these articles, but you know, one of the responsibilities that we put on ourselves was that we only thought we were going to travel for a year. So we want to be responsible about what we built out and what we got into and trying to keep it, you know, budget friendly because God forbid we didn't like it, then we could literally just turn around and sell it or, you know, move on and not feel so guilty about spending, you know, arm and a leg on it and then not being, you know, not even caring for it anymore. So 
I think the responsibility there was was to make sure that we made a budget, had the money to do it, and built something that we thought was going to be good for us for that period of time. Yeah, I think it's so true. You have to be smart when you're getting into this lifestyle. I know a lot of people want to get that like Instagram, Pinterest dream and, you know, have the perfect van with the perfect everything. And it's just so, I mean... It's not real life, first of all. Like all those Instagram pictures that you see are really just like, you know, it's the best day. It's the day where you cleaned up, that the weather was good, that the doors could be open, that you're not parked in some city street. You're even if a you have the most perfect, most beautiful, most expensive van, some days on the road are just gonna suck. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it how it is. Some days are shitty. <laughs> you know, like, I know Alex doesn't want to say that, but some days are shitty. Realistically, though, there's more good days than bad. Even on those days that you feel like it's a little shitty, you're still in a completely different place in the world than, you know, your hometown that you grew up in that, you know, you're experiencing something new and you could find something great in that shitty day. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. I don't think we really had that many like, I mean, sometimes everything's just going wrong and you're like, oh my God, like what else is going to happen today? But, you know, you overcome and you have that emergency fund that's set up so that when you do have the breakdown, when something in the van breaks, like you're able to fix it. Yeah. And I'll even say that on those days, it's all about attitude. So a lot of the time, Alex and I would just kind of laugh about those situations during that day. Like, listen, nothing's going as planned. And it's kind of hilarious because like, you know, we feel like it should be, but it's just not. And sometimes all you can do is like laugh about it. Mm -hmm. Some people will like laugh, cry about it. And that's fine too. You know, you have to have humor and humility and that's what's going to get you past it. You know, at least for us, that's what gets us past it. So, well, after I have my little pity party, usually like I'll go let flop in the bed and be like, whoa, oh, it's so hard. <laughs> and like, I feel like, you know, that's like very much a first world problem at that point. You know? oh, yeah. But I mean, like, it's OK to feel your feelings, right? Like if you need a couple of minutes to just be like, ugh, like everything sucks. But then you're like, OK, what can I do to make this better? Like, what is my next step? I think that's the key, though. It's the bounce back. Like, yeah, like you said, it's OK to feel your feelings, but you have to bounce back from it. It's so important to just get back up all the like people in the world that are successful are the ones that have failed but they've bounced back you know and learned from those little things so if you could have that bounce back no matter how many times it happens to you you're going to be successful in anything you do in life especially van life mm -hmm. and so speaking of being successful in van life we kind of touched on this it's really about budget and you know, not, not having this debt over your shoulders. So our first article today is actually from insider.com. It's called six tips for living a debt-free lifestyle on the road from a millennial couple who spent $20,000 buying and remodeling an RV. They spent $20,000 buying and remodeling an RV. And like for them, that might be you know, fine because they've put away that money for it. And, and similar to, and I mean, in the found. grand scheme of things, $20,000 for a tiny home on wheels is not crazy, especially if you're going to live rent free for a while. So if you do it for two or three years and you live rent free, you've now saved a ton of money mm -hmm. you know? and you've spread that 
over that time. You know, if your rent is $2,000 a on month. On average, it's probably three grand nowadays. Yeah, which is crazy. Spending $20,000 on a home. Yeah, you have expenses on the road. This couple say that they their monthly budget rarely exceeds $2,500, excluding fuel. So... I guess sometimes they're spending a lot of money on gas, but like your day-to-day lifestyle can be quite low. And this is for two people. When you're living in a home, you're still spending that much money on top of the rent. You know what I mean? Like groceries, food, whatever, like going out to dinner, having play dates with friends, you know, just like all these different things, They it, the money adds up really fast. Mm-hmm. This couple in particular started with a truck camper. Potentially they already owned the truck. I'm not really sure about that one, but they were in the truck camper for two years and then decided they wanted more space. So they bought a class C RV for 1200. So they were able to trade in the truck and probably sell the camper. They were able to get into the class C without any extra cash on hand, which is kind of what you want. I mean, in a lot of cases, you can actually make money. If you want to hear more of our take on this awesome article, definitely go over and check out our Patreon. It supports us. It helps us continue to make these podcasts. And we want to keep bringing you guys this entertainment and this value to your life, because if it's not for this value, then what are we going to give you? So come on over today and become an FNA family member. Okay, so this next one I kind of like because it's called Keeping Fit on the Road, Exercise Routines for Van Life. This is from a blog called vanventures.com or sorry, .co.uk. And it's really about how to stay fit while you're living in a van, which honestly for us, I feel like was so much easier than trying to stay fit working a regular job. I think one of the big differences is when you're in a house working a regular job, you spend a lot of your time at that regular job. So when you get home, you're already tired, you still have to eat dinner, you have to run whatever errands you got to run, you know, so by the time you're done with everything, it's it's time to go to bed so you can wake back up at six o'clock in the morning to get to work. Yeah. And I think too, like when I was living in the city, my stress levels were a lot higher, which makes it hard to be healthy and maintain a healthy weight. My eating habits were probably a lot worse in terms of like all of the office snacks and things like that, that just kind of show up or even just like going out for lunch with people or, you know, whatever, like you're eating probably more calories, definitely drinking more alcohol um, and definitely not spending as much time in nature and as much time moving your body. Yeah, And so what she speaks on right in the beginning is harnessing the power of nature. And so, you know, open air and just being outdoors is definitely going to help you with your your mental health, you know? So mental health is going to help you with your physical health. So it's just like this chain of reaction that happens. Breathing in that fresh, wonderful air instead of being in a gym is, is going to be so much better for you. Um, and yeah, so you always have these changing environments. So you're like, you're like excited to be on these, these adventures and these journeys because everything's different everywhere. So you might be on a desert hike one week and then you're in the middle of the mountains and in the forest the next week. So, you know, you always have this forever changing horizon. And I think too, because you're living in such a small space, it's really easy for you to want to get out. Even if it's just, you know, you park somewhere new and you want to go for a walk around the block. If you have pets, you got to take them out. You got to take them for like a little stroll. Um, you get to a new campsite and you want to go explore it. And, you know, most days, unless it's raining or shitty or really cold or something like that, you're going to want to get out of the van and kind of explore and walk around and stretch your legs. You know, even if you're working a full time job from your van, you know, when you do have those breaks or you have the lunch break or whatever, 
instead of just staying in your van for that whole time, you're probably going to be more likely to go outside and go for a little wander or something. Whereas if you lived in a house, you might just walk up the stairs, go to the kitchen, make something to eat, and then walk back down to your desk. You know, like I think when you live in a van, you're more in nature. So you spend more time out of your van actually in nature. Yeah. And so if you're at the mountains and you want to do a workout, you can take advantage of what the mountains give you, you know, so you could build cardiovascular fitness because you're hiking normally in higher elevations and it's going to add to your lower body strength as well. And so you would improve strength and flexibility and it's more of an adrenaline rush because like, you know, you're going to have these steep cliffs and like all this stuff that's going to you know, give this advantage of like, you know, pumping you up and getting you going. Well, dude, it's kind of, it's like more like natural body movements than just going to the gym and being like bicep curl, bicep curl. Yeah. And you're going to have uneven terrain instead of walking on like a treadmill where you have just like a flat surface. Even if you put it at like an, at like a, uh, elevation, then you're still walking on a flat surface that's like forgiving under your feet. And you're probably watching like the Desperate Housewives while you're doing it. So like, are you really like walking that hard or like running that hard? And I think too, like that it's that mental aspect, like you talked about too, like when you're doing these things in these spaces, whether it's the mountains or the beach or a forest, you're immersed in nature. And so it's really like, calming your body and your mental state down and then so then you have beach style workouts where you can hit volleyball frisbee you can go surfing you could swim you could do all these different things so when you're doing them you know you have the sand that is going to be like kind of like a displaced step so it's going to have these different feelings of like you know stability workouts so like you're gonna your body's going to contort to the sand and whatnot and so yeah forest similar you could do running um yeah there's just so many different things uh you'll have a lot more obstacles in the forest than you would in any of these other situations and then just like doing activity i think is the main thing so like for us you know we did a lot of snowboarding we did a lot of surfing we do a lot of hiking so all those things i think helped us with our physical health i think most nomads too have a sport that they enjoy or some kind of hobby that they're really into so whether it is climbing or whatever like they've got the gear to go do it the mountain bikes blah 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 so you're always kind of looking for these things um and even like we had a guy on the podcast the couple weeks ago who knows at this point we're not sure what our schedule looks like right now we're trying to get a couple podcasts recorded before the baby arrives and we don't (laughs) have time um but yeah so he met some people who were climbers and he immediately went out and bought a bunch of climbing gear and was like i climb now and it's one of his favorite things to do and he's looking forward to climbing a lot more throughout his travels and you know we have tons of friends out there that climb all the time and they're beasts yeah honestly they're jacked like i'm like how did your body get like that (laughs) yeah they're like oh yeah we we boulder occasionally you know yeah yeah they're super (laughs) humble though they're like the most humble people i feel like with like their six packs just like (laughs) (laughs) you're like how did you get forearms like that i'm like those forearms please (laughs) um but yeah so then you could also use your van so your van is a really sturdy surface and you could use it for strength training you do burpees you could do dips you could do pull-ups you could do all these different things you could use your roof ladder to like climb up and down and up and down and you know you could put resistance bands and all these different things on your rig to be able to make your fitness happen and to be able to get all that different strength training that you want obviously most of it's going to be like body weight exercises but yeah step step ups and and all that stuff you can just getting in and out of the van yeah i mean but like imagine the the van 
like the height of it is almost at the perfect height to do like dips. Mm-hmm. And triceps. we know a lot of people who actually have those um, chin up bars just inside of their doorway. But so sometimes you're not able to actually open your van door and be outside or do like pull ups and stuff with your door open. And so if you're in the city or whatever, what we did when we were designing our van build was make sure that we had enough space in the center alley for a yoga mat to be rolled out fully, completely, you know, sideways and long ways so that we could use that. And we use that all the time. Yeah. So if you guys are DIYing your rig and you have a ProMaster layout, we actually have a PDF specifically for that layout that we had in our rig. We wanted to make sure that our rig was the most open space possible. So that way we could do a physical workout or even just stretch to get that flexibility going, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so we could put out that yoga mat and Alex and I could literally do yoga inside that van together, as well as fit 12 people in that van, which is mind blowing. Yeah. So the yoga mat was key for me because that's kind of my also like mental health thing you know if I've had a stressful day or something like that just like to get on the mat and like chill out but even you know you're doing all these activities like the snowboarding and whatever your legs are tired your arms are tired like it's so nice to just like roll out your mat inside your space you don't have to worry about who's around who's watching what the temperature is like is the ground wet blah 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 you can just roll your mat out and stretch and feel good and even do like body weight exercises or things like that. So I just want to reemphasize one more time. Like a lot of people build their rigs and they make this space so tight. Really try to do your best to keep it as wide open as possible. It's You're going to be so thankful for it down the road because at first when you're building out that rig, you're thinking, oh, I need the shower. Oh, I need this. Oh, Or I need like I need so much storage. I have so much storage. Stuff. I need all these bins and all these boxes and all these cupboards. You're going to get rid of a lot of that stuff. So that way, you know, you're not packing so much weight in your van anyway. So just just like really think about it. Realize that when you're on the road, if you can be on on the road for a long period of time, you're going to want as much space, open space in that van as possible so that way you can enjoy your experience more and you don't feel claustrophobic when you're in it when it is raining outside do you say claustrophobic funny i feel like every time you say it i'm like claustrophobic what are you talking about claustrophobia claustrophobia (laughs) how do you say it claustrophobic ah you say it weird whatever (laughs) so yeah just having like portable fitness this one makes me think of um alex and forrest so our friends luna the badass van they were both personal trainers in a former life now they are uh park rangers and absolutely love the park ranger lifestyle if that's like a career that you might be interested as you're traveling on the road. They absolutely love being park rangers. Um, But so they both come from a fitness background and fitness is super important to them. And so in the back of their van, they have almost like a full gym setup. Yeah. And not only do they have a full gym setup, these these people are like, they're ripped. Oh yeah. Like they're in great physical condition and it's, and it's awesome to see. And like when we meet, when we meet up and hang out with them, we're normally going on a trail run with them or something along those lines, because that's just part of their every day. And we want to try to immerse ourselves in other people's, you know, activities. So that way we could see what it's like for us and how do we feel about it? And yeah, but just haven't gone for a trail run since. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> funny because while they're on this trail run, he's wearing his, you know, his toe shoes or, you know, the, the what do they call them? Finger shoes? Something like that. I don't know. The ones that like 
uh, go onto your and you have individual toes inside of your shoes. Yeah. And so one of the things we learned through Forrest is that his feet strength are through the roof. And that's actually helped improve his knees and his hips and everything working its way up from what he's telling us. And, you know, you can only take it for their word unless you try it yourself. And then you can realize what it feels like. But he now has so much more stability is what he's talking about. And it was kind of cool. We ran this, you know, this whole thing with him and we're tired and he's like still ready to go. Uh, he's Meanwhile, like, okay, I'm going to go for another lap. We're like, oh, he's basically running the barefoot. Oh, they're called barefoot shoes. Uh, there you go. Uh, but but yeah, yeah, so they'll take their gym equipment and whether they're at a campground or even just like in a park, they'll literally like take their weights out, take the yoga mat out, do the whole thing. And then because they were personal trainers, they have all this knowledge about how to do the workouts or what workouts they want to do, where if you're not Somebody like that. There are so many apps and different online fitness classes that you can do. So you have to kind of make it part of your routine because I feel like often you download an app and then you do it once and then you never look at it again. Yeah. I'm not guilty of that at all. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> but so if you can make it kind of part of your routine, and I feel like that's kind of the tricky thing about van life, which we talk about in the next article too, is that yeah. like having a routine in your van is kind of tricky because Every day feels very different, which is great and exciting. But if you're somebody who craves that stability, who craves the routine, I think incorporating fitness into that in a certain aspect is going to be really good for you. Like if you're like, okay, as soon as I wake up, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, no matter who I'm with, I'm going to do, you know, a 45 minute yoga class or whatever, or, you know, get on one of these apps and do a class. Speaking of these apps and working out, we have some amazing friends that you probably know from the vlogs, uh, Dorota and Jesse, who have their own company as well that could get you on the right track when it comes to fitness. Yeah. So low sugar fitness, they do twice weekly virtual workout classes that are sometimes body weight, sometimes incorporate other weights. If you don't have weights in your van, I've used things like soup cans or other just things that you have laying around or like a jug of water. And even if you have a baby, if you're a mother at home, this is actually a great way to work out too. You could utilize your kids and you could utilize them as weights, you know, and get them involved. And that will actually bring a really healthy aspect of working out and knowing that they got to take care of themselves to their lives early on. So you're going to instill this into them if you go and you work out with low sugar fitness and Dorota and Jesse are just amazing people. And not only do they have the availability for working out, but they also have nutritional value that they could give to you as well. Jesse is excellent in the kitchen. I mean, we've had plenty of his meals and I'll tell you what, mm -hmm. they're delicious though. No? Oh, they're amazing and so good. And he cooks everything without any added sugars. That's their whole thing. Low sugar fitness. So it's really great. These classes are so good. They keep you. I think the thing that they did for me, especially when I wasn't nine months pregnant, <laughs> I guess I'm kind of like 10 months pregnant at this point, but I'm excited to get back to the classes because it does have like so much accountability associated with it. Dorota is such an amazing fitness coach and she really takes the time to like make sure that you're good, you're happy. Like it's a group class. So there's other people there. So you kind of like get to know the people in the class. And then she's also like looking out for you like, hey, like I didn't see you in class today. Like all good. What's up? Let me, you know, like it's the accountability aspect of it too, because I always find it hard to work out when 
nobody's pushing me to work out, you oh, know? Oh, for sure. I feel you there. Because you always have a million other things that you could do or just the day or whatever. So this way it's scheduled in. You have people waiting for you, excited to see you, and excited to kick your butt in an awesome workout. Yeah, and you guys could go check out their Instagram, Low Sugar Fitness. I think they have Facebook as well. And it will show you, like, the befores and after of what they've been and where they came from in their journey. And you could see how much this has improved their life and their lifestyle. And I'm so proud of them. Guys, keep it up. Keep up the great work. And we can't wait to jump back on board of that physical activity with you guys as well. For sure. So we're going to have some links down below for Jesse and Dorota at Low Sugar Fitness so that you can check them out. And now let's move on. The article talks about the routine as well, about the apps as well. You have to be consistent with all of them. It also talks about fueling your fitness, uh, about planning your meals. And that's something that I think really helped us out is being able to to, like, we were trying to be cheap. So, but being cheap, I, you know, worked into the fact that we were always fueling ourselves with good food. And, but well, cause like cheap and shitty doesn't have to go together. No. Like cheap can just be like only buying fruits and vegetables. Also, cheap for us was just not going out to eat. Yeah. You know, because there's a huge difference on cooking your own food and going out to eat. Especially now. I feel like going out to a restaurant is so expensive. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe when we first started, especially in the South, like you could get a meal for couple bucks yeah yeah and you'd be like all right but now you go and you order one thing and it's like twenty dollars each and you're like wow yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) and the the main thing about that is that since we were cooking for ourselves we were cooking ourselves healthy foods that we enjoyed and so it wasn't a cheap meal but it was cheaper than going out to eat by a lot and we could make you know, several meals out of one, and then we could have that the next day and so on and so forth. So, you know, I think we were repairing our bodies by eating so well and not going out to eat and having like the high sodium diet, because a lot of the times when you're eating food out, you're getting a lot of salt in your food. You know, you're getting a lot of things that you don't necessarily need, super oily, fried, whatever, all these different things. Yeah. And I think too, like just by default, like when we were living in New York City, it was often so much easier just to go grab something to eat from somewhere because it's so convenient. And sometimes when we're, say, we're van lifing in the city or something like that, you know, you want to try a couple of the restaurants and whatever, and that's all cool. But a lot of the time when you're van lifing it, you're in the middle of nowhere or you're in some random small town where the restaurant closed at 6 p.m. and you're not thinking about dinner till nine and then you literally have no option except to cook something for yourself. Or if you're off grid for a couple of days or weeks, like there's no food truck coming by to service you. Like you have to have your own food. So Mm -hmm. I think you just automatically end up cooking for yourself more. Yeah. The only time you'll ever find like a food truck related type of situation is if you're like, and you're in the middle of nowhere is if you're at like a meetup and there's other people there cooking. Or you happen upon like a state fair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The last thing that they talk about here in the article is the importance of rest and recovery. And you're going to have a lot of like incidental exercise too, which is like just like walking through parks and whatnot. Or even just like filling your water tank, dumping stuff, taking your laundry in and out of the laundromat. Taking your compost toilet out because that thing is normally fairly heavy. Yeah, you like know? doing all the errands around your van. Yeah, so you're, you're going to be building muscles just based on that. And so just having the, the thought and the, you know, it's really important to rest and recover. So one of the things that Alex and I do when we're on the road is we actually set an eight-hour 
uh, like timer for our alarm clock. So instead of actually having a specific time to wake up because we do work for ourselves, we could choose what that is. So say we go to bed at seven o'clock at night, we wake up eight hours from then. You know, that way you get in the proper rest and the proper When's the last time recovery. you went to bed at 7 p.m.? I'm just saying, you know, you never know. <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're extremely tired, you know what? The last time I went to bed at 7 p.m. was when we were in Alaska and we went for that four-wheeling adventure. Yeah, And we were so tired. It's funny. I thought the same thing. We literally came home. I was covered in mud. I was like, just spray me down with the hose. She nearly died like three times. Yeah, uh, literally. <laughs> and then just literally like sprayed the mud off and then fell into bed and just crashed knocked out so like you know there are times where you're going to be so exhausted from your adventure and i would even say a lot of the times on the snowboarding nights you know because the sun goes down early we're in bed and ready to sleep by eight o'clock at night sometimes even on like beach days because you're in the sun all day Uh and you know maybe you're a little dehydrated or something that's the other thing about being fit and whatever make sure you're drinking enough water and make sure you're replenishing yourself but like Beach days are hard. Like the sun goes down and then you're like, I'm ready to sleep. So, yeah, with with that being said, rest is really important. Recovery is also really important. And, you know, yoga is a really great way. Alex used to get us into yoga and do stretching and stuff like that when we were on the road. And she still does it today. I try. I got to get better at it because I also need to avoid the stiffness and, you know, enhance my flexibility. I'm always breaking down. Uh, yeah, I'm like an old vehicle. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you and Sunny have a lot in common. Our 1985 Toyota Sunraider, <laughs> also not willing to take care of itself. No. no. <laughs> oh man, me and Sunny, we got it going for us. Yeah, but I mean, I've talked you into a couple of yoga classes here or there since we've been off the road making this baby. But yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a great article. Um, And so once again, this is like going back to the basics, you know, we're going back to the basics to take care of our health, to take care of ourselves. The reason why you're getting into the van is to lower your stress levels and to get yourself into, you know, a more conditioned. It's kind of funny because I say more conditioned, but like you're getting back into working out and feeling good about yourself. And uh, I think that's a huge part of van life. And Um, I will say that a lot of people that we've met on the road just kind of naturally by default without even thinking about it lose weight get more toned feel better their mental state improves they're like obviously van life can be stressful at times and things like that but like generally you know we'll meet somebody and then a year later we'll see them and we're like you look amazing and they're like you know i just been living my life right like nobody you don't have to have a diet plan and a fitness plan and a 6 a.m i have to hit the gym before i get to my office and blah 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 because mm-hmm. like your lifestyle is just so much healthier. Yeah. One thing I do notice like on the internet per se, um, and maybe even in life itself is that we all go through ebbs and flows in, you know, in any lifestyle that we're living. But what I tend to notice is that when people are going through these different ebbs and flows, a lot of people are going through very similar ones at the same time. And I don't know if it's the internet, you know, connecting us or if we're just that connected as humans you know, there's a lot of people that are buying a new van and rebuilding a new van and selling a van at the same time. And there's a lot of people that are really into, you know, health and fitness at the same point. And then there's a lot of people who are, 
not doing great and struggling at the same point, but I think it's because we're sharing our energy with one another. So if we could share good positive energy on, you know, all the different things, then it will make a better experience for he us here on this planet in general. Um, but, you know, we're going to go back to the basics again. And when you're moving into a 50 square foot home, there's adjustments you have to make. And this article here on Thrillist.com is going to talk all about that. Yeah. So this is about moving in with your partner and your pets into a vehicle. And so that brings up two very different challenges, right? So often, you know, people do solo van life and that's great. And that comes with its own you know, challenges and triumphs and experiences and whatever. But so for us, what we can really speak to is moving in as a couple. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, just like this couple, we also met on a dating website, you know, in a different manner, though, because they got hit with COVID-19 in 2020. The They're, day after their first date. It just locked down everything. So they didn't get to see each other for two months, like face to face. They actually did different types of dates through video chat basically and kudos to them for doing that they were both dreaming about van life and travel and for alex and i we were both dreaming about travel we didn't i told alex on our first date that i was going to travel and don't get attached and because you know how do you go on a first date and not be honest? I feel like I had to be well, honest. Well, a lot of people go on first dates and don't be honest, but <laughs> yeah, that's but, why I like you. Yeah. So the the whole thing is that um you know, when you're about to make this leap of faith, for us, what we did is we moved in together. And we when we moved in together, you know, we, we made sure that we both want to do this. Alex came up with a whole spreadsheet of, you know, exactly what I need to save to do this myself. And I was like, this is amazing, but there's something missing. And she was like, what? And I was like, you're not on this list. And of course, she had her own stuff that she was going to save so she could go on the trip, too. So she was down. This was like solidifying the fact that she wanted to do it as well and that we were going to do this together. But the caveat was that we had never lived together and we'd only been dating for six months when we decided that we were going to move into a van and quit our jobs and do all of these things. So the reasonable course of action felt like we should move in together in New York City, mm -hmm. because if we can't handle each other in an apartment, there's no way that we're going to be able to do this trip and live in a van and be so far away from friends and family and everything that we know. Yeah, which is kind of wild. So we we decided we're going to move in together. We moved into an apartment that was maybe double the size of the van, maybe a little bit more than double the size of the van. So it was already a pretty small space. It was a studio apartment. So one room was everything except for the bathroom. And uh, so we actually even had to get used to the bathroom being part of the space as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that's just like par for the course of like living with somebody. And then also it gave us a chance to kind of figure out like what's all the stuff that I own and what's all the stuff that you own and what's the stuff that's going to come in the van. But then also just the logistics of like, okay, like how do we live together and what are, what are you like when you've had a bad day and you come home from work or what is, you know, our routine going to be like, and you know, it's just like getting to know each other on the, like a much deeper level. Yeah. So that was probably about, we were 
like at six months in our relationship, we decided we were going to live in the van. Then six months after that, we moved in together and we lived together for six months before we left in the van. So it was basically a year and a half from the day that we met to the day that we moved into the van. Yeah. And I think it was just the right amount of time for us personally. Some people are going to do it faster. Some people are going to do it slower, you know, and we, it took us six months to build a van anyway. So it gave us an opportunity to work on a project that was going to be actually really difficult because we've never done it before. Well, and also talk about like relationship building. You want to build a van together and make all these decisions and make all this purchasing choices and do all these things together. How is that going to work? How are you communicating with each other? What happens when you disagree about something? Like, yeah. how do you work through that? There's I'll tell you, so many relationship lessons. I'll tell you a word of advice. What I did is I let Alex just design the thing because I was just like, you know what? I'll let her do that. Then there's no argument. The only thing I'll do is during that time, if something doesn't work, then I'll just be like, hey, listen, this can't go there because yeah, it doesn't work. You had your inputs too, or whatever. Like, Yeah, I did. But what I'm saying is like there was certain things that I just didn't want to have a argument with you on in any way. So I was like, I could build it because you're like, you weren't going to argue with me on how to build something. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it was like, I'd like you to make this for me, but you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that, that's exactly what I'm talking about, where Alex didn't do that to me and I wasn't going to do the other thing to her only. Only if it didn't fit and didn't work, I would say, okay, this doesn't work. So let's go back to the drawing board. And like, maybe we need to move this over here and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like you and I have always had very good communication with each other in terms of like making choices and making decisions and like doing what's best for us and like figuring out what that is even. Well, and that showed the chemistry that we had right off the rip, you know? So we're really fortunate that we found each other and that we're... (laughs) fortunate enough to like listen and have that conversation on hey how are we gonna do this type of thing jumping back into this article you know something for us and something for them that's very similar is building a routine and the first year of living life on the road it's really hard to build a routine right off the rip so you're gonna grow into this step i feel like for us what helped us is we had a goal in mind so part of that goal was It was the 71 mountain trip that we were doing to try to snowboard the most mountains in a single season, which we did, which is kind of incredible. But we built a routine in that specific phase of our life. And so for me, my routine was basically wake up, drive to the spot, get to the spot we're going to be at, get my stuff together, snowboard with Alex normally. Alex would normally dip back to the van around noon. I would go in the van with her, eat lunch, jump back onto the van into the van and drive or we would continue snowboarding at that mountain that day so depending on if we had three mountains to do that day or if we had one mountain to do that day that would change the routine yeah and so you kind of have to be adaptable in that way that your routine will change and so i guess that doesn't really make it a routine you can have things built in like the fitness thing or you know, the meal thing or maybe a nighttime routine when you're winding down for bed or something like that. But depending where you are, like if you're at a festival with a bunch of people, your routine is going to be totally different than if you're boondocking in the middle of nowhere or if you're parked in a city. Yeah. So I'll say like one of our friends that travel or one of the couples that we know that travels on the road, one of their routines is they don't come out of their van until like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And the reason for it is because part of their routine is to spend time together before they go outside and involve themselves in everything else that's going on. 
So they take their first like two to three hours just to be together and relax and, you know, have their time together before they step out of the van and they start to enjoy other people's company. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful. And just like protecting your own energy and your own space, especially if you're at a meetup or something like that, because I think the big tricky thing about van life is having FOMO all the time Mm -hmm. because there's so much going on and there's so much to do and you feel like you're on this endless vacation sometimes and you want to just like you want to do all the hikes and you want to meet all the people and you want to get to all the events and you want to do everything 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 but you really have to decide and in the beginning you want to do everything together So it's like even that could become stressful because maybe your partner just doesn't want to do that. So you have to figure out in your routine, what is your like alone time look like? Because, you know, in the beginning, when you're trying to do everything together, you might be forcing somebody to do something that they don't really want to do. And so as your life evolves in this, you know, van life situation or RV life situation that you're living you're going to realize that you need to make time for you and whether that's doing yoga or going to a retreat or whatever it might be, if you want to go surfing or snowboarding or something that you could do by yourself and your partner could figure out what they want to do. And you could split, you know, during that time to go do your stuff and then come back to the van later on at night or in the evening or whatever, plan to have dinner together, you know, that way you could have your time with each other to continue to build your relationship. I think what people find the trickiest about that is that you do only have one vehicle for two people. So often it's like, oh, well, if you want to go snowboarding at the mountain, we have to drive to the mountain. And then and then what? You know what I mean? Do you take the van? Do you drive it away? Do you try to find something on site? So you do kind of have to compromise in a sense. Like you could for sure just drop somebody off somewhere and be like, oh, you're going to go for a five hour hike. I'm going to go back to town and get a smoothie and go to the library and hang out or whatever. But what that means is you both have to be comfortable driving that vehicle. So that's another aspect of, you know, this yeah, I would love for Alex to go do those things if I went want to go to the mountain and she wants to go back into town and do whatever she wants to do. I would say I would say go for it. You know, I would just make sure that I had water, a couple snacks, and even maybe a couple dollars if I want to buy something. You know, at the concession. You know, but I've never really felt all that comfortable driving our vehicle, so I get kind of like you know. We do things for each other, but like if Frank wants to be somewhere, then I'm there with him and I'll often just find my own thing to do in that space or stay in the van and do my own thing in the van. And that even for me is just like totally fine. Like it's just nice to have alone time sometimes. Yeah. Um, And then when you do meet back up together, it's like you have stories to tell each other and like, what did you do and how was it? And did you meet people and like what happened? You I'm know, just, I'm just thinking about all the times we're on the mountain and you're like, every time you're on the mountain alone, you always have an epic story to tell me. When yeah, like he back. comes back. He's like, I climbed to the peak and I jumped off a cliff. And I'm like, well, good thing I wasn't there because yeah. that would have sucked. But she's like, and you always meet people. But that's because I'm going to these places that only a select amount of people are going to go to. So when you see somebody up there, you automatically have this like respect for one another especially if you could like if you could bolt ride you're like all right sweet it's the same thing with the surfing alex is not into that and i and i loved it when we were in central america i did find that in central america when we were at the beach it almost seemed to be a little bit easier for you to have your time and be happy with everything well everything was much more walkable yeah and the weather's great so then you're not like oh like 
can like you can only be outside for so long when it's minus 30 degrees yeah yeah walkable is different when it's really cold outside that's for sure yeah <laughs> bringing your pets you know they had two cats one of the one sorry going back to the article bringing your pets is a big thing for us we didn't have a pet when we first got on the road we got Paco when we were on the road and he was a rescue so I think he was willing to do anything for a great life and we were giving him that so he was like stoked to live in the van and so but for cats that have been living in a house or dogs that have been living in a house for most of their life you have to get them comfortable and so they would bring things into the home that would allow this cat, these two cats, to feel like it was their home. So things that smelt like their home. And then eventually the cats literally were like, yo, I can't stay in a hotel. I want to stay in our van. Yeah, I find a lot of people's pets are kind of hesitant at first. And so there is a bit of a learning curve. And, it's, you know, does your animal like driving? That's kind of the first thing. And if they're anxious about driving like we had friends who their dog would throw up every time they started driving the van that's not super fun for them or for the dog you know what i mean but then they figured out that if they built the dog a platform between the two front seats where the dog could see out the front window and be like with them at the same level that the dog wouldn't throw up and he would just be relaxed and he would be calm and he would lay down and so you kind of have to figure out what's going to make your pet the most comfortable because, you know, for us, we were lucky. We adopted Paco. We got in the van. We started driving. He was like, this is awesome. No problem. We can go for huge drive days. And he just like sleeps the whole time. He's so easy. Mm. Like I feel blessed that, you know, he's such a great dog for van life Yes, because, you know, we've heard a lot of stories and been with people who like, say, for example, when we leave the van to go into the store to go grocery shopping or something like that, like this is the other thing. Sometimes you have to leave your pets alone in the vehicle, right? Mm. So you have to think about airflow and temperature and all those kind of things. But so we'll go into the grocery store and Paco just sits in the front seat and he watches us walk away. And then he just watches, 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 waits for us to come back and then gets really excited when we're near the van. And is so happy to see us when we get back. We know other people whose pets as soon as they close the door, that dog is like crying, screaming, like, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. And it's the saddest thing to hear. And it just barks the entire time they're gone. And you're like, how could you? I mean, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But like, that just feels so sad to me. Yeah. And it feels sad to the people that are walking by the rig. So it's like, you know, they want to kind of save the pet. So that's the way that you most likely get your windows broken and your dog taken out. <laughs> but, but uh, you know. Not that that's ever happened to them. No, no. But at the same time, it's just something that, you know, if you're going to have a, a dog or an animal or anything on the road, you have to realize that there's going to be certain things and corks that they have and, you know, maybe helping them get past that is one of the things that you could try to do or you just bring them with you everywhere you go. So that's kind of how we do it with Paco, but he really is a great dog. And one of the things that I think that was great about Paco is that he's also like a warm weather dog. So when it's the winter, we have the heater on and he's nice and toasty, warm in the van, no issues at all. And doesn't even want to go outside. Doesn't, yeah, doesn't, he's like, please, he, she's like, just leave, leave me. me. Leave me inside. Every once in a while, he'll play fetch or something, run through the snow. But realistically, he just wants to be like cozied up in the nice warm, you know, space. And we'll play like like tug or something with him in the van. But then like when we got down into Mexico and Central America, this dog would go outside and just like literally bask in the hot sun. 
Like when we were building our second van, he would go and lay on the blacktop, and we're like, "Paco, you got to get off the blacktop. That's not you're gonna burn yourself." And we would get put him on the the white top, and then he would put himself right back on the blacktop. It was like, "All right, it's on you now." At this point, we try to help you, but yeah, I mean, just the the type of dog that you get might dictate a bit more of like where you go and how that dog is gonna react or or feel or how you're gonna feel about your trip. You know, we also have friends that travel with cold weather dogs in hot weather. And for them, they've really kind of struggled with leaving the dog at certain points because they're worried about the dog overheating in the rig. And we totally understand that. And we would worry about the same thing with Paco, but just not as much because Paco would be outside, not even panting. And the cold weather dog would be like, <laughs> you know, dying, it looked like. Uh, but overall the dog was fine it's just like that's their air conditioning system you know what i'm saying yeah for sure i mean all dogs are different all cats are different you really just have to know your animal and get your particular animal accustomed to van life and then also think about them like our friends that we met in central america what are their names that's what i was talking about um uh, I, i don't think you even have to say their name oh Our friends that we met in Central America, they had a husky, and so they would just try to find places that were at elevation or go to locations where the dog would be more comfortable. So even if they personally wanted to spend all their time at the beach, they would make choices that would be best for their dog in terms of where they were choosing to drive to and camp. And that's what you call responsible dog owners. (laughs) So the last part of this article, though, is date night, making sure that you make some time for you guys to have like, you know, a nice little date. And this is where like the Instagram stuff I feel like drops in. But the reason why I say that is because this is like when you string out the twinkle lights. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you set the up. The campfire. Yeah, the you set up the chairs. You marshmallows. Table, you know, you put, you're basically like having like a candlelit dinner. So just making sure that you make some time for each other. Um, we're doing that by having dinner together and all these different things. But to make it just like a little bit more special is, is always nice. So like we would spend quite a few nights before we had stuff on our roof you know, back up on the roof, gazing at the stars. So that was like one of the ways we did like day night and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. But this is normally when like the camera gets broken out too at the same time. Yeah. Or if we were like in the city or something, we would get dressed up and like go out for a meal somewhere and just like do something a little bit special because, you know, you don't really do that when you live in a van. You're kind of like always in your sweats or, you know, bummed out a little bit and not like sad, but just like in your dress because you're just, you know, comfy you, all the time. What you mean by bumming it is like you're in clothes that are more comfy feeling. Yeah, yeah. The last article that we're going to talk about today is from the Denver Gazette. The allure of unique RV and van life stays are helping this veil company thrive. If you guys want the full scoop on what's going on in this article, you have to come on over to the Patreon. You get the full article ad-free, uninterrupted, and so many more bonuses behind the scenes, free F&A swag. We would love to have you over there to help support the mission, help our van life community grow, and really just become a part of the F&A family. All right, guys, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Van Life in the News. We love doing these ones and just kind of breaking down what what the world is talking about van life. And remember, if you want the full podcast, make sure to go over to our Patreon, join up. It really helps us to continue making these podcasts and give you guys all this valuable information and entertainment. So go over to the podcast, join, and you'll get the full 
podcast. And on Patreon, you'll get to know if we've had our baby or not. <laughs> no, don't worry. It doesn't sound like that uh, over on the Patreon. You're just going to get to see the really good epic parts of it. Yeah. And so if you do enjoy the show, be sure to share it with a friend. Leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Have an FNA day. Hey, everybody knows it's true. Band life, YouTube channel, what they do. Everybody's got to get money. Everybody's about to get money. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All that.